What's up, sports fans? My name is Lucas Weiss, host of the Wee Sports Chronicles podcast. It is Super Bowl week, which means we have a star-studded lineup of Super Bowl-related podcasts on the Wee Sports Chronicles. First up today, we have Aaron Ladd. He is a Kansas City Chiefs beat reporter for KSHB-TV in Kansas City. In this episode, I chat with Aaron about his first year being on the Kansas City Chiefs beat, going to Super Bowl 55, how this team differed from last year's team, Patrick Mahomes' greatness, and what the Chiefs need to do in order to beat Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As always, the Wii Sports Chronicles podcast is available on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. So make sure to like, rate, watch, and subscribe to all three of those channels. Now, without further ado, let's get to today's episode with Aaron Lott on the Wii Sports Chronicles podcast. All right, as I said off the top, I am pleased to be joined by Aaron Lott. He is a sports anchor and multimedia journalist for KSHB-TV in Kansas City, covering the Kansas City Chiefs, and he joins me on the We Sports Chronicles podcast. Aaron, welcome. How are you doing? I hope uh, things are well. I, I, I hear that the Chiefs are going to a little thing called the Super Bowl. Is that true? Can you confirm? <laughs> Uh, I can confirm that rumor. I know that's been circulating for quite some time, but after uh, what it seemed like the longest year of all of our lifetimes, the Chiefs have successfully defended their AFC title and are headed back to the Super Bowl. They'll face a familiar face there, my friend, a familiar face. Absolutely, Tom Brady. And and you said in your Twitter bio, you know, you're, you're still reeling from that uh, Super Bowl 51 uh, game, aren't you, as a... Uh, as a Falcons fan. Yeah. Thanks for bringing up my trauma. <laughs> as as I appreciate you bringing it up now. Yes, I am from the Atlanta area. So uh, I grew up a, a Falcons fan and that the, the memory of that game still, still keeps me up at night sometimes. So I won't bring those jujus into this Chiefs conversation. So hopefully they don't have that same, that same result. But you just uh, you get nervous anytime you see TV twelve in a big game like this. His tenth Super Bowl, Aaron, still um, quite mesmerizing at, at the age of forty three. But we're here to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs, like you said, defending their AFC title. They were the winners of the Super Bowl last year, Super Bowl fifty four, and, and I gotta say, I was watching some highlights from that event, and I swear, I feel like that was the last normal sporting event with like fans in the stands no social distancing no masks it, it, it's like it was from another world Aaron it's, it's it's so weird to look back at highlights and I mean from 2020 from earlier in the year from from just 2020 I know it's 2021 now but no masks, no social distancing, just vibes and, and a bunch of a bunch of comebacks for the Chiefs as well. I mean, that's what the hallmark of of that last year's team was. Is no matter what they were down, I mean, uh, twenty four points against the Texans, ten points in the Super Bowl, or ten points against the Titans, down in the Super Bowl late. Um, they had they had a knack of turning it on when they needed it. And they've kind of ridden that momentum all the way through a 14-2 and two year this year and now back in the Super Bowl. So you joined KSHB-TV in, in April of 2020. So this is your first year on the Kansas City Chiefs beat. So like for you, I mean, you mentioned it off the top just how 
challenging this year has been with the Zoom interviews and whatnot. So, like, just for you, I mean, what has this experience been like for you as a journalist where the first year on the beat in the strangest of all years, your Kansas, the Kansas City Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl? We're storytellers at the end of the day, right? And also relationship builders. I know uh, it's sports, so it's looked at a little bit differently, but uh, the whole part about getting stories is forming relationships with a lot of these guys. And I think the hardest part through the pandemic has been trying to break through and form relationships on Zoom, kind of like like how we're talking now. Um, The players have no connection to me outside of this little box, right? So... Uh, my job as a storyteller, my job as a new journalist in the market is to try my hardest to try and break out of this little box, man. I just want to, I want them to see me as a person. I want them to see me as somebody who they can trust with their story. That's not just going to be a gotcha guy or looking for the next big headline. Um, that's the biggest challenge is finding the, finding the way to make those relationships um, through the pandemic. But if you can do it in this environment, if you can do it in a pandemic where you're kept at a distance from the players, where you're kept at an arm's length away from everything, then you can do it in any environment. And I truly believe that. Has your enjoyment of football or covering football been affected by this? Because I know I've spoken with some reporters who have been doing this for a long time. And it's like, you know, gee, this has just been such a strange grind of a year where everything's so different it just doesn't feel the same that not that same excitement have you felt that at all or or do you still think like look this is an opportunity and i'm just gonna make the adjustments and and go do what i have to do you gotta do what you gotta do right i look at it through the lens of the chiefs they've only been into now three super bowls in their in their (laughs) franchises nearly 61 year history and two of them have happened within this last span, right? Within this last two years. Um, the stories and, and the times and the memories, all the plays, the Wasp and uh, Chad Henney's run, all of these things that have happened in such a short amount of time, they're going to be told about for decades and decades on here in Kansas City and beyond. So obviously it's not picture perfect. I, I would never imagine my first time meeting Patrick Mahomes or Tyree Kill to be on a Zoom call and Andy Reid seeing uh, my dog or cat running in the background, <laughs> but that's just the world we're living in now. And everybody's kind of making the most of it. And um, I think if you're honest with your audience and telling them what you're going through, the same thing that they're going through, we're all working from home. Um, they, they value that and, the, and they see, they see the work ethic. Kansas City may not be the big market like a Dallas or a New England or a New York, but certainly given the last few years, given how well the Chiefs have done, there's certainly more increased attention. Given that this has been your first year on the Chiefs beat, how have you sort of stood out from from the crowd just in terms of trying to tell unique stories that that only you have for your viewers? Lucas, I feel like the the Chiefs have a real Warriors feel to mm. to what they're doing this last two years. It's very flashy. It's very sexy. It's Patrick Mahomes for good <laughs> to say, man. I mean, like this is a guy who's the youngest quarterback to ever start two Super Bowls now at 25 years old. I'm 24 years old, so <laughs> I feel like going to going into Patrick Mahomes' shoes, we're we're peers. Obviously, we're not 
throwing, I'm not throwing 300 yards on the football field. I wish I was, but I can understand what it's like to be a 24, 25 year old, something just starting off in your career and having some sense of moderate success. And, and from there, I just try and ask the questions that I'm interested in. I, I see them tweeting a bunch. They have a bunch of fun on social media. I'll ask you, Hey, what do you mean by this tweet, Patrick? Or, or what do you mean by this? Or, or when you guys are making fun, we're not at, we're not able to be in the locker room this year. Take us into the locker room when you all are wearing masks and divided. And with so much that was going on in this country, not only pandemic-wise, mm-hmm. but uh, election-wise as well, mm-hmm. uh, Patrick Mahomes was the face of the Black Lives Matter movement mm-hmm. here in Kansas City, as well as the NFL coming out with their stronger stance before the season even started. And as a black male, I felt like I had a unique opportunity to ask him about that, ask him how he felt about that asking what he felt like his role was in a lot of these situations. And you just have to be honest about uh, what you're asking and saying, Hey, help me understand. Uh, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to get you. I'm not trying to get a cancel culture thing or understand (laughs) anything. I'm just trying to understand what's going on. And a lot of times they respect that. And then they give you an honest answer. I think that's so true because I just think like, if you treat them as human beings, which they are at the end of the day, now they do something that not many human beings can do. But I think if you could be, relatable with them ask them you you know you know good questions like for example the twitter questions i know as you said patrick mahomes very active on twitter i think you'll get definitely very good answers i just wanted to follow up with you about patrick mahomes because obviously he's taken the league by storm the last few years and i just think and i certainly know amongst my canadian followers and viewers that this is like he's so beloved like he i can't really find a guy or a girl out there that doesn't like patrick mahomes compared to some other quarterbacks in the league even tom brady for example very polarizing what is it about patrick that has has that has you know really captivated the league and just can you comment on just the the, the connection in kansas city that he has with that city I think maybe part of it was, and, and there's a very complex answer to this. There's yeah. a lot of layers to this onion, I guess. There's, there's not going to be a, a solution to this answer in one thing. But I, I think maybe one thing that Kansas City has drawn to in Patrick Mahomes was he wasn't the flashiest guy coming out of college. Yes, the numbers were flashy. And the, makeup, the, the matchup with Baker Mayfield had about 12, 14, 15 touchdowns. Um, but when Kansas City traded up to get him, that was uh, that kind of split the fan base a little bit. There weren't everybody wasn't unanimously on the side of this guy is our future. Let's start him right away. Let's get it going. Um, he wasn't the guy that coming into that draft that GMs were salivating over at the number one pick. And he sat behind Alex Smith for a year and learned how to play the position. Um, I think a lot of people, especially here in Kansas City, can relate to that underdog story a little mm. bit. They can kind of relate to a guy that um, rolls his sleeves up and knows how to go to work. And it has also helped that Patrick Mahomes has opened his arms wide to Kansas City. I mean, he's become a part-time owner in the Royals here, uh, which is the, the baseball team. Um, he's always, always, always encouraging people to try local things. His fiance is now a big part and founding owner in us having a women's soccer team here. They have It has been a mutual love affair between the two cities. Um, And I think that's been something cool to see for, like you said, a Kansas City that's not a a sexy New York, L.A., Miami destination. It's middle America. It's Midwest. Let's be honest. Lucas, if you drive two hours in either direction, it's not looking like the big city. Uh, But I think that's what I think for a guy like Patrick Mahomes, 
um, that's something that he loves about it. That's, it's the charm. It, it, it's the character, and um, they love him back. It's interesting because, again, I mean, like you said, I mean, you know, this is someone that's, again, a big figure, has done so much already. But I guess the challenge for a journalist and in, in your position is trying to find something unique about Patrick. So how do you, like, how do you make sure that every week, like, do you have to focus on Patrick Mahomes or are you given sort of the leeway to maybe focus on some of the other players on the team? Because obviously, like, look, it can be very easy with a superstar player like Patrick Mahomes to just constantly focus on him because that's who the fans obviously love and adore. But I think the really brilliant thing about the Chiefs is there's a lot of other interesting personalities on the Chiefs team. That's the beauty of the team sport as well. If Patrick Mahomes can not throw for 350 yards if the offensive line isn't blocking or... Uh, he's not going to be able to put up the gaudy numbers and, and uh, get all the acclaim and MVP awards um, if McCole Hartman drops a pass or muffs a pun. It, it, it's a team sport, and our job is, as journalists covering uh, a team that has 53 players is to try and find a way to highlight all 53 players. I know it's not going to happen every, every, every time out. Every article, you're not going to find a way to work in the backup right guard. You're not going to find out a, a way to, to, to work somebody in. But when those moments happen, a lot of times in training camp, uh, a lot of times when you're when you're going through that lull of the regular season, that's our job to highlight those stories and, and talk about those stories. I'll use one of the opportunities now to talk about those stories, um, especially in a team like Kansas City, where this most recent offseason they went back and re-upped a lot of their guys and paid big money. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes got a half a billion dollar contract. <laughs> Travis Kelsey got paid. Chris Jones got paid. Uh, Tyreek Hill is in line to get paid. Your GM now has to be more flexible with um, free agency, has to hit at everybody on the draft. Um, so we look back and said, oh, this fourth-round guy, LeJarrius Sneed, that they got out of Louisiana Tech, he's actually exceeded where he was drafted. He's gotten sacks, he's gotten sacked in each of the last four games. Um, you look at those opportunities, you look at players who um, maybe were long shots at the time that are now playing big roles, um, that all goes into playing and covering a team sport. And I'm sure Patrick say the same exact thing that he's not going to be able to get uh, to where he's going without the roles and the efforts of all those other guys especially some of the smaller day guys it's interesting with this team Aaron because they win the Super Bowl last year you just mentioned how they re-upped a lot of their guys in the offseason but the worry is I mean you know can the motivation stay there you know once you get to the top how do you how do you get back there and I think with this Chiefs team I always said from the start of the season that they were the team to beat, rightfully so, defending champs. But it's interesting how they sort of went through the season and towards the end, they they had a lot of closer games against some maybe, you know, not as premier competition. But then you see them in the playoffs and it's like, oh, this is the Kansas City Chiefs that could just put 30 points up like that. From covering the team, what gave you sort of the confidence or belief that, that this team could get back uh, for a chance to win back-to-back Super Bowls. Lucas, well, I might have been in—I might have been in that boat with everybody else that was saying, "I don't know if you can just flip the switch whenever you want to." This is the National Football League. This is our guys on the other side are on scholarship too. They're getting paid too. You might get got. Um, but in that eight—that eight-game winning streak where they had uh, those single-digit victories. That was asked pretty much every availability. <laughs> Somebody would ask uh, Andy Reid, Chiefs head coach, hey, 
uh, what's going on here? Like, are we reading too much? Should you be blowing guys out? What's going on here? Uh, and not only the global panic, which has been, which is a, an excuse. I wouldn't say an excuse, but it is a crutch mm-hmm. on pretty much every aspect in our life these days. Uh, I think he said, "Hey, we have ballers. We have guys that know when it's time to go. They don't overthink. They don't overthink. They just go out and play." Um, the, the 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 national media definitely harped on that. That was a big issue uh, nationally. They weren't blowing guys out. They weren't. Um, going far away and they were looked like they were bored for a while chris jones got asked that uh and he said point blank you can't get bored in this league when you get bored that's when you get your ass kicked and it's uh it seems like they are always even when they were, they were down nine in the AFC championship game this most recent this most recent timeout it seems like when they get in the huddle and say all right guys we need seven they can go get seven, Lucas. They, they can go get seven, and the thing is, after that, they'll get seven more, and then they'll get seven more, and then the opposing team is looking like, wow, we're in the middle of an avalanche right now, and we really don't know what to do. And that's where that's what the Warriors comparison mm-hmm. comes back to me from. Because when you had Steph and Katie and Clay all shooting threes, you're kind of just, like, helpless at a certain point. So now you're looking at Mahomes, Kelsey, Hill, and Hardman. It's like... We only have eleven guys on defense. There's a certain aspect to where, when the Chiefs, when the Chiefs ride the elevator, they go up to a taller floor than everybody else. Yeah, and, and you certainly saw that in the AFC Championship game, like trying to you know go you know put one on one with Travis Kelsey. I mean, that's not the best strategy because you're playing with fire because he's just you know he can easily get into open space space and make plays, and then you have Tyree Kill that could just turn a little you know, short yardage play into a huge run unlike any wide receiver in the NFL. So I think for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, like that's that's sort of, I feel like where the game is going to be won or lost is sort of not only can you pass rush Patrick Mahomes, but how, what do you do with, with, with Kelsey or Hill? Because these are two guys that are just so dynamic to watch. it's been kind of a pick your poison for defensive coordinators every year. It's like, well, do you want Tyree kill to bomb you over the top of your defense and score two deep touchdowns? Like we saw the last time they matched up against Tampa in week 12, or do you want Patrick Mahomes to play the underneath game with Travis Kelsey and kind of get you a death by a million cuts, 15 targets for Travis Kelsey in the AFC title game. And that's not abnormal. I think that may have been his third or fourth game this year with, with 15 targets um, for defenses. It's, it's a nightmare when they're clicking. Uh, the only hope is that maybe they give you a mistake. Uh, last week we saw it with McCole Hardman muffing that punt, which led directly to the Bills scoring a touchdown off that. You're going to have to hope for two or three of those um, in addition to a slow start from the Chiefs if you're a, a, a defensive coordinator waving your magic wand before Super Bowl 55. <laughs> no kidding. So, Aaron, obviously Super Bowl we is in Tampa. What are sort of your responsibilities going to be? Like, are you are you flying to the game? Are you going to be there in person? I mean, what are your responsibilities for the week? Because, I mean, it's it's the event in the NFL, but it's also going to look so different this year, like everything else, because of the global pandemic. Definitely. I, myself, will be staying back and, and covering here on, on this laptop in, the, in this Zoom world. Uh, we haven't traveled at all for games this year, just a, a company policy and mm. 
um, trying to keep everybody. Um, I'll be staying back and doing that sort of thing, but we found out pretty much everything is virtual. The big media day event that we come accustomed to where you get guys and ask them the weird question and all that good stuff, that'll be right here on Zoom <laughs> like everything else has been this year. Pre-game availabilities, post-game availabilities will be on Zoom. Um, we've had the opportunity to go into Arrowhead Stadium for home games this year, but once you're there, you're, you're on your laptop. So it, it's so... It's so strange and unique. Looking looking forward past this pandemic, I said that phrase way too many times. I really hope it comes sooner rather than later, Lucas. But past the pandemic, I, I'm curious what press availabilities will look like in the future. I wonder if we'll ever get back into a locker room uh, and interview guys this close to their face. <laughs> I wonder if we'll ever get, you know, the access that we used to have and the, and the availabilities that we used to have just now that we live in a post-corona world and teams have had to put everything on Zoom, had to do things virtually, had to send out B-roll. Um, while it has made our job a little bit harder as far as trying to connect and storytelling, I can just roll out of bed here at 10.25 or 10.30 Zoom availability and press record and be good. So there, there's pros and cons. I know that was a long way of answering your question about if I'm going to Tampa. I'm not going to Tampa, but uh, I'll still be here covering the team. Yeah, and, and look, I mean, even for those in Tampa, again, it's it's not like a normal Super Bowl, right, where where it's all the festivities. It, it really is limited to your laptop. But I'm just curious, Aaron, obviously the Super Bowl brings a lot more national attention to the event. Do you think because you've been, you know, with the team from the start, you're one of the local guys, that you're sort of built out a bit of an advantage in a way in covering it just because you've built the relationships with people within the organization to tell really compelling stories uh, leading up to the game. Definitely. There are certain stories that only the local folks will have known or know how it developed throughout the season, more so than the guys who are going to be helicoptering in nationally now for this, this two weeks. There is that advantage of having your boots on the ground every day, um, talking to these guys, every availability. Hey, how are you doing? Happy holidays, happy Valentine's Day, happy whatever, whatever, whatever. They see you. They know which. They know the faces. There's certain. There's certain times where they know the faces, um, and I think that does give an advantage to to us local guys here. I know when the NFL takes over the media, uh, I believe that happens Monday on Monday night. Um, there will be more of a national presence, but uh, it's always our job to have questions. And, and, questions no matter one years of Chiefs football three Super Bowls two of them in the last year and, and this is my first one so I'm excited for it so Super Bowl game Super Sunday like so you're watching the game how do you like without revealing all the state secrets like so you're covering the game and then obviously I'm, I'm assuming post game are you like right on like live on TV or, or is it like a, a few minutes? Like what's sort of the process there? I'm, I'm curious. Well, the chiefs win. you're going right, you're going right on TV. I mean, wow. it's, I'm sure there will be socially distant celebrations <laughs> that happen. Um, hopefully uh, if Kansas city is listening, please, please, please wear your mask. You're going anywhere to celebrate, but, um, it's a major event, Lucas. Uh, it, this is, is 
uh, especially for Chiefs fans, this is the golden age uh, uh, of their franchise. You, you look back on the Lakers dynasties and you keep mentioning the Warriors dynasties, Miami Heat dynasties, those spans where you go back to back, that, that doesn't happen very often, my man. Like, yeah. That is incredibly hard and it's incredibly lucky as well. There is some luck that's involved in a team sport. Um, when Patrick Mahomes goes out in the divisional round, I know a lot of people here in Kansas City were saying, oh, this could end. And this could end really quickly and really disappointing. Uh, so you go from there to being back in another Super Bowl, facing Tom Brady. Um, it's a major event. So our job is to not only be on air right away, but as well as online. Um, I'm tweeting throughout the entire game, everything that comes to mind, whether it's stats, whether it's cool things I noticed, whether it's funny things from the broadcast, whether it's, um, I don't know, anything. I mean, it just seems like this time, this two weeks, and now if they win the, the week after, um, Kansas City has Chiefs fever, if you will, <laughs> where anything and everything that is Chiefs related, um, they're absorbing it like a sponge. For sure, and and the one thing I will say is, I mean, just to show some NFL history, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks had an opportunity to go for two straight. Tom Brady beats them in that Super Bowl. So here's Patrick Mahomes again. I'm, I'm sure Chiefs fans listening probably don't want uh, that same fate happening to them. But I think what's interesting in this game, and I alluded to it earlier, Aaron, is, of course, the matchup, the Bucks defense. And obviously the loss of Eric Fisher going down, suffering a torn Achilles. A big loss for that Chiefs offensive line in terms of protecting Patrick Mahomes. You got this dynamic pass rush. Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul, Devin White. Is that going to be the difference in terms of who wins this game in terms of how well the Bucks pass rush can get to Patrick Mahomes? Lucas, it makes me feel better. I know you never want to you never want to hear of an injury. Yeah. And Eric Fisher had started over a thousand plays for Kansas City this or had played it over a thousand plays this season, was one of their most reliable offensive linemen uh, throughout the year this year. Um, but it makes I do find solace in the fact that they have two weeks to repair knowing that he will not be available. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's different from then maybe if it happens at halftime in Tampa Bay or something like that where you have to adjust on the fly. This is not the first offensive line injury that has happened for this Kansas City Chiefs team this year. It's actually one of the hallmarks of probably what's got them here to this point. The season started with them losing two offensive linemen due to opt-outs. Uh, the doctor, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, who I'm sure our Canadians are <laughs> very familiar with, um, decided that he was going to commit this year to helping people up, up in his native Quebec fight um, COVID-19 up there at a long-term long care facility. And then they drafted a lineman coming into this year out of TPU. Uh, Lucas Nier, who was supposed to come in and play some play some guard or, or tackle, he was going to go both ways. And neither of those players saw the field at all this year. In addition to multiple injuries, uh, Kaleche Osimile came in, who was a was a free agent signing. He tore two tendons halfway through the year and was done. Not to mention uh, Mitchell Schwartz, who was an Iron Man for the Chiefs coming into this year, had started every game over the past four seasons for Kansas City. His back flares up halfway through the year. We haven't seen him yet. There was one point in the year where the Kansas City Chiefs had started 14 different offensive line combinations throughout the year. I mean, one, two, one, two. This guy shuffled here. This guy moved here. Oh, if you see Durant, who's a rookie out of Missouri, you come in here. There was so much shuffling. Uh, I mean, it seemed like 
it, it seemed like that had impacted the run game at some point throughout the year. And of course, it, it it's just poetic justice poetic justice that now in the Super Bowl, there's more shuffling along the offensive line uh, for Andy Reid's team. So we'll see how they deal with that. Well, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Laurent Dubonnet Tardif because he's uh, very beloved up here uh, in Canada, winning. I mean, the Sports Illustrated Athlete of the Year honors, and of course, Canadian Athlete of the Year co-honors uh, last year. And Chiefs fans are going to see another Canadian in the weekend uh, for the Super Bowl halftime show, so that's going to be uh, pretty fun as well. But Aaron, I, I mean, I just wanted to end with. I mean, obviously, I mean, this is your again first year in Kansas City, dealing with the pandemic and, and just try, like you said, being a storyteller, journalists, they don't run away from the stories, they run to the stories. I'm just curious what advice you would have for young journalists listening to this podcast in terms of covering a team and a team that, again, ha- has a lot of attention and trying to do it the best possible way given a lot of these adjustments that you've had to make over the course of the year. My advice to my young journalists is use every opportunity that you're given and and don't take anything for granted in those opportunities. Uh, these press availabilities and these these opportunities to talk to guys like that, it, it's it's a Zoom call, man. Every, everybody's <laughs> been on a Zoom call. Don't feel like because you're not of a certain status or you haven't paid your dues yet or a certain that you can't speak up or take advantage of your opportunity – um, you never know who else is watching. You never know who else is in that room um, with so many different ways to turn content around now and get your stuff seen on social media and in other places. Like you got to take advantage of every opportunity that's given to you. And, um, whether that's taking a zoom interview like this one, chopping it up and throwing it up on Instagram, throwing it up on Twitter, writing a little web story, doing this, doing that. Um, it takes a motor to be able to, to do that. And the opportunities is the one thing that you can't control. Everything else you can control, the work ethic, how much time you want to put into it, how good the writing is, how much you want to work on your writing, all of that you can control. But the opportunities, those are few and far between, Lucas. And when you have them, you got to take advantage. Last question for you, Aaron. For any Canadians wanting to come to Kansas City, what's the what's the go-to barbecue restaurants? Oh, man, uh, I knew it was coming here. I'm putting you on the spot here. Um, man, it, it, everything is so political here between Kansas City and barbecue. It's like picking your candidate, and you're tied to them, and you got to stick with them. And, oh, my goodness, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a seasoning guy, right? So okay. I, like, I like the dry rubs. Uh, so I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with slaps here, which is actually squeal like a pig, barbecue pork. Squeal like a pig is a good one, but that's nothing. Nothing to talk down on my Q39 fans, my Joe's fans, my Gates fans, Jack Stack. I'm an eater, Lucas. So yeah, uh, slaps will be the celebratory meal if, if the Chiefs win here. Nice, that's awesome. Well, Aaron Ladd, he is a sports anchor and multimedia journalist for KSHB TV, covering the Kansas City Chiefs. He's going to be very busy during Super Bowl week. Of course, the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Super Bowl 55. Aaron, thank you so much for joining me today. Have a fantastic week and uh, all the best to you for for Super Bowl week. Thanks for joining me on the Wii Sports Chronicles podcast. Appreciate it.